All right, it is our last positional player, if you count designated hitter as a position player. Top 10 list. Let's get into it. So, you know, designated hitters are a little bit of a different beast than the regular position players. So, of course, we had to take the weekend to think about our top 10 list. And that's the excuse that we're going to go with as to why this episode was not released on a Friday, but instead was released here on a Monday morning weekend recap, much to Nico's dismay. But here we are. It is Dylan. It is James. It is Nico. And Henry virtually will be with us. And we're going to talk about the top 10 DHs in Major League Baseball. And there's a clear number one. I know we tried to break the parody on this one, but there's no shot of Shohei Otani not being your number one. So same as always, Nico hit us 10 to one. James will go 10 to one. And then I'll round things off. All right. Starting with me, I've got Kerry Carpenter at number 10, uh, Christopher Morel at number nine, J.D. Martinez at eight, Jorge Soler at seven, Marcelo Zuna at six, five, Kyle Schwarber, four, Masataka Yoshida, three, Royce Lewis, two, Jordan. And number one, of course, Shohei. James. And number 10, uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Nine, Jock Peterson. Eight, Masataka Yoshida. Seven, J.D. Martinez. Six, Jorge Soler. Five, Royce Lewis. Four, Marcelo Zuna. Three, Kyle Schwarber. Two, Jordan Alvarez. And number one, Shohei Otani. I'll also read out Henry's list because he's not with us in person today. But he did send in his list. That is Ryan Mountcastle at 10. Ezekiel Duran at nine, Lourdes Gurriel eight, John Carlos Stanton seven, Ozuna's at six, Yoshida's at five, Lewis is four, Kyle Schwarber's three, Jordan is two, and Shohei Otani is number one. And to round things out, I've got Royce Lewis way at the bottom at 10, Wilmer Flores leaking in at nine, Eloy Jimenez at eight, John Carlos at seven, JD Martinez six, Soler all the way up at five, Ozuna's at four, and then the big three of Schwarber, Alvarez, and of course at number one. Shohei Otani, let's bask in his glory a little bit before we move on. He's not even pitching, and I still think there's a strong chance that he is the MVP favorite in a stacked National League. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we could make the argument for Shohei Otani being number one for DH has nothing to do with the fact that he's also starting every fifth day. Not this year, but most years and for years to come, he will. I mean, the guy consistently is just a five-tool player offensively he hits for contact hits for power is fast i mean people i don't think that because he hits so well people don't understand that the guy's like one of the fastest guys in the league again he does everything well from a hitting perspective and i think that because he pitches we kind of understated a little bit and a little bit meaning that we don't really understand how good of a hitter he is but when you just look at him independently like the guys again top three hitter in baseball top five hitter in baseball and he's a top five pitcher in baseball but Again, number one DH, easy. James, I do want you to celebrate the number two guy, and that was Jordan Alvarez. Was there any contest between him and Shoyotani at the number one spot? And also, just tell us how good Jordan is, that at most positions he'd likely be the number one. Uh, I, I, I mean, yeah, I think Jordan's great. Uh, he starts to stay healthy for a full season. I think Otani, uh, it, it's not even really a debate. Um. You can say the surgery, you can say what you want, but I think that I think that Otani is the clear number one. Jordan is a fantastic hitter. I think 
uh, the clear number two um, and, and would be in contention for number one at, at a lot of spots if he played the position. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just Otani is far and above uh, the best, best in this class. I think the interesting thing, especially about this position where in the past we've had guys, and I know the big debate that comes to mind is Brandon Nimmo, where we talked about he sucks defensively, but he's a really underrated and solid bat, much to Nico's dismay. But this is the position. It does not matter if you're a brick defensively. It is just how hard can you hit the ball and how far you can hit the ball. And with Jordan Alvarez, and yes, we almost considered him a left fielder until the Astros announced that Jake Myers was in center, moving Chaz McCormick over to left. Jordan hits the ball as hard as anybody, as far as anybody, and as consistently as anybody. It's one of those situations where he doesn't strike out that much. He's a good walking hitter. He'll hit you 40 bombs. I believe he's gotten his Astros extension, so he's going to be there for a long time at this point too. But this is a guy that when you look back maybe 20 years from now, the comparison's probably going to be Jim Tomey. And I don't think that's a crazy take that he winds up with the 550, 600 home runs and an easy first ballot Hall of Famer like we eventually saw with Tomey. Yeah, I mean, this is the guy that, again, I feel like we may get one guy now, it seems, every generation. But this is our generation's David Ortiz. I mean, he's basically like a carbon copy from an offensive perspective and the performances in the postseason. The guy is already in the running for does he have a chance of being the greatest designated hitter of all time? And you see the similarities being a big lefty bat like David Ortiz. This guy for, again, he's probably going to be three minimum. It depends if you see Edgar Martinez or David Ortiz. I mean, I don't see, I see easily a world where if he keeps this track and maybe even wins, like just because of his sheer offensive numbers is confined away, maybe to win an MVP. That's how good he could be offensively that we don't sit around 10, 15 years later and we're like, this guy was better than Big Bobby. And I'm saying that as a diehard David Ortiz fan in my room in Miami, I literally have like three pictures of David Ortiz. And I'm sitting here saying that this guy has a shot to overtake him. James, tell us about the guy, Kyle from Waltham, who always appears to hit 40 homers and almost lead the league every single year. Kyle Schwarber making your list at number three. Yeah, I mean, Schwarber is your, I mean, I guess modern 2024 designated hitter. Um, he's a 40 home run guy, uh, sub 200 batting average this past season. Uh, so walks at a very elite level uh, and strikes out a ton. But uh, it doesn't matter when you drive in 100 runs uh, out of the leadoff spot uh, and hit the ball out the park 40 times. So uh, I think as long as he continues to do that, he has to be high up on the list. Um, uh, he's a premier left-handed bat. I think it's pretty cool that the first three guys on this list are all left-handed hitters, or on my list are all left-handed hitters. Uh, it seems that most designated hitters uh, seem to be hitting from the left side uh, at an elite level in 2024. Nico, tell us about, since you are, or you want to hop in on that one now, go for it. I think Schwarber, I would say, is one of the only guys that I think gets a significant boost because of his postseason performance. I think that, again, we see it a lot in like, NFL and the NBA where like guys just turn it on when it comes to the postseason. I think Schwarber may be the one guy in the league where I think he has, even though he's very good as a designated here in the regular season, I think he probably has like the biggest jump of once it hits October, you're not only getting the bombs that Kyle Schwarber hits, but you're getting even more discipline. He's going to hit even better. Just everything goes up to 10. 
Well, since you're talking about October, the guy that I actually was going to bring up to you in a second is Royce Lewis, who put himself on the map this October. And if he can just stay healthy, he's going to be a bona fide top 10 player at whatever position the Twins end up putting him at. Yeah, that's the weird thing with like Royce Lewis and a lot of people on this list is that I think we just decided, okay, if we don't have a clear position for you, we're just going to slide you in at DH, especially if you play games at DH. That's one of the guys like Christopher Morrell. Again, Royce Lewis, I don't think there's a lot of people who disagree with the thought that he rakes. I mean, the guy had an above 900 OPS, was able to hit against elite pitching in October. The big question with Royce Lewis is, is he going to be able to stay healthy? And I think if they're able to strategically put him with like third and a majority at DH, Buxton Array came out and said, I'm playing center field. Good for you. It looks like it's perfect for Royce Lewis to be slid in there at the designated hitter position and just keep him on the field because of what he brings offensively. Again, he was seen as a shortstop and maybe even a center fielder. But once I think you guys slid him to third, you're basically saying we're going to prioritize him staying healthy and being at a less athletic position. Obviously, it helps when you have Carlos Correa, but we're going to put him at a at a position that he doesn't need to be as athletic than he does at short to keep him healthy. And I think if they're able to structure well, him spending half the season and even the majority of the season at DH, and he's able to stay healthy for like 140, 150 games, I think that the numbers are going to play. The, the one thing that Royce Lewis has done is every single time he's healthy over the last two years, he's hit. The problem hasn't been, oh, he's hit like a low. The guy doesn't hit lows because he's that good. He was a former number one pick. He goes and he rakes. The one problem is, can he stay on the field? And I think if he stays on the field with them, putting him at the designated hitter spot, he's going to be elite. And James, let's talk about a guy that just beats up baseball. He's one of those consistent hitters in the league, and that is Marcelo Zuna. Uh, yeah, I think Ozuna had a had a really strong season this past season. Uh, surprised a lot of people. Um, you know, people were talking poorly of him, saying that uh, he he wasn't a guy that deserved to still be in the major leagues. Um, but he he proved his worth this season. He had a tremendous offensive season, played a key role uh, in the Braves. Uh, you know, winning uh, 100 plus games and then losing in the second round of the playoffs. So, uh, congratulations to them. Um, and I mean, yeah, you have another great hitter that can't hit in October. <laughs> How much of this is a homer pick, Nico, in Masataka Yoshida, your number four? I'm not going to lie <clears throat> and say that's not a little bit. I do really like Yoshida. I do think a lot of it is based off of what I see for him coming for next year. I think that a great comp for him is him being a better offensive version of Seiya Suzuki, who I just figured out when we were doing the rankings, had an 850 OPS that no one talked about. Uh, I did. He was on my list, just saying. I put him on my list. I put him on my list, (laughs) and that's why. I think that the big thing that hurt Masatagi Yoshida was he was everything that we would expect from an elite designated hitter for the first four months of the year and in august and september it just caught up to him and he really slowed down he had over an 800 ops every single month and then when it hit august it went 630 630 i think that when he's able to go and do that jump that we can see that again foreign players have after adjusting to the league he's going to be able to go and hit for more power he's going to be able to go and hit for more average he has a great eye which i think is going to help with him getting on base they're going to take we i saw him a lot in left field don't want him there anymore. Good thing he's going to stick at the age. You're going to be able just to focus on having a good eye and finding barrels. The one thing that he does, which I find is unique to him, when, when you look at um, guys from Japan usually, he's elite at hitting the fastball. He ranked in top five in every single category, rate category when it comes to hitting 
fastballs above 95 miles per hour for um, top five in average, top five in on base, top five in slugging. He's very good at hitting hard pitching, which I think is something that's not really known for guys who are from Japan because usually you see the higher velos in the MLB. And I think that since he's already able to get that down and now he's able to just have to adjust to the breaking ball and the off speed, which is something that he's seen a lot in Japan. I think that that's going to allow him to have a lot of growth that we're not going to expect. All right. One of the big questions that I at least have on my mind is why has nobody signed Jorge Soler? Uh, because the Red Sox are interested in him. And since it looks like we actually may get him, everyone's going to be like, wow, the Red Sox are actually going to get someone in free agency. So let's just back off. <laughs> I still think he's the top five. At least I have him at number five. You guys had him a little bit lower. I think James, you had him at six and Nico, you had him at seven. I agree. A lot of it will be determined by what ballpark he goes to. If all of a sudden the Kansas City Royals decide that he's going to be their DH, he's going to be in that spacious ballpark, not his many home runs, and then his effect goes down tremendously. Same with the, the Giants sign him or some team like that. But if he ends up at a pretty hitterish ballpark, a la Fenway Park, or Colorado stupidly decides to sign him because, you know, they do that once every so often with the Chris Bryant. I think there's a world where Jorge Soler is pushing that upper echelon, and then there's a world that, unfortunately, his power gets sapped. So I think that 5-7 to seven range where we have him is actually a pretty good spot to place him in. But there's one guy that I know I struggled there with him because I didn't know where he's going to play. What do we do with Giancarlo Stanton? At his peak, he's with Jordan Alvarez. At his worst, he's not even a starting caliber player. So we've got the extremes. We've got me having him as high as number seven. James probably did the courtesy number 10 spot. And then Nico, you just left him off. So we'll go from worst ranking to best ranking. Nico, the pessimism on Stanton stems from. Just the fact that it really seems like he's starting the poor aging. It, over the last two years, it's really started again. There's been fears of how he was going to age because he's just a, a massive body, just a physical specimen. But again, with those guys, usually as they tend to get older, they usually sort of fall off a cliff and an injury bug and just trying to get back from injuries and trying to stay competitive really gets to them. And it really seems like that's what we're seeing with Stanton. Um, Stanton just hadn't stayed on the field. And usually for like three years ago, it seems like, okay, he couldn't be on the field, but when he was on the field, he was Stanton. Now it's starting to be like, He's not getting on the field, and because all those injuries and all that wear and tear is mounting up, he's not able to be competitive. And I think that it is going to help the fact that Juan Soto's going to be in that line. He's going to get a little bit more protection, and all the pressure is not going to be on him to bring in guys like Aaron Judge and to provide the offense and be that second guy. But I think that we're just seeing the cliff. I think that, again, I hate to see it because that guy was elite when he was with the Marlins and showed a lot when he was with the Yankees, which I don't really care about. But... Again, it really seems like we're just seeing the physical cliff and that wear and tear starting to get to him. James, you're in that middle ground of putting him in your number 10 spot. How did you come to that conclusion? Yeah, I think, you know, he always has that potential to hit 35, 40 home runs. So, um, I mean, he hasn't done it in a while, but I think, I think just for, I mean, maybe if he has that splash in Yankee Stadium, you know, it's just, it just could always happen every year or so. I had to put him in my top 10. Uh, you never know. Um, a little wishful thinking and a little um, Yankee bias, but uh, that's why I had him at 10. I think that's where, and I 
feel weird being the most optimistic about a New York Yankees player. Stanton doesn't have to be the number two for the first time in what feels like forever. That's one Soto's job at this point now. And Stanton can literally focus on being a DH. He might even platoon and that he gets some days off when Judge needs to play DH or Rizzo needs to DH. And I don't think his days of playing right field and left field are coming up anytime soon. So Stan's going to be on that. I know everyone hates this phrase in the NBA. It's load management and it's get him to the playoffs. So 120, 130 games out of Stanton. But if he has a 900 OPS in those 120, 130 games, I think it's clearly a spot that he deserves to be on the top 10 list at some point in some capacity. Let's go from the older statesman to the young guns. And Nico at the bottom of your list was Christopher Morrell and Kerry Carpenter. Elaborate. Yeah, I'll start with Christopher Morrell. I think Christopher Morrell really started off hot, and I think he got a lot of love when he was hot. And then he really hit a wall for like two weeks where he didn't hit, and we all started to forget about him when he came back. He still ended up with like an 830 OPS, which is, again, what you like to see out of a designated hitter. I do bring in the fact that, again, he is very athletic, and I think, again, when you have something that you don't usually bring to the table at positions, I think it's a little bit of a boost. The fact that he has some speed that you don't really see out of a designated hitter I think is going to help. And I think he's going to gel really well with this Cubs offense, especially if we see that they re-sign Bellinger. I think a lot of pressure is going to be on Nico Horner. And I think that Christopher Morell is going to be the key to like relieving that pressure from him and Dansby Swanson. I think he's young. He hits the ball hard. He's able to generate a lot of power. And I think there's a world where we see him this year, especially if he's in that designated hitter role where he's really just allowing his athleticism to only be used on the base pass where you see like a 25-25 season out of him. And for number 10? Ah, Kerry Carpenter, that's right. Uh, <laughs> Kerry Car- yeah, my bad. <laughs> I forgot that I had to do two. Kerry Carpenter, I think he showed that he's elite at hitting right-handed pitching, which, again, helps him a lot because most of the guys you're going to face are right-handers. And I think, he again, he's a young guy. He's only played like two seasons. And I think that left-handed side of the ball hitting is going to develop as he matures and as this young Detroit Tigers offense matures. I think that, again, me and Dylan like the Royals this year for a lot of biased reasons. But I think that... They're not biased. Mine are completely biased. (laughs) Well, we genuinely think they're going to be solid. I genuinely think it, but I'm going to accept that I think that the number two left fielder is going to be MJ. (laughs) But I think that um, a, lo- a team that could surprise people that, like they did a couple years ago is the Tigers for a simple reason. They have a lot of young guys that we wouldn't be surprised if they broke out this year. Guys like Riley Green, guys like Spencer Torkelson, and guys like Kerry Carpenter. I think that Kerry Carpenter, if he's able to figure out how to hit left-handed pitching, that he's going to be a very good hitter. And we can see his OPS jump easily 30, 40 points just by figuring out how to be serviceable against left-handed pitching. Shout out as well. Colt Keith got his big extension. He's now locked up for the next six to nine years with the Detroit Tigers. James, you went the exact opposite route for those two spots that you differed on, Nico. Nico went with the younger guys. You went with the elder statesman of current free agent J.D. Martinez and signed this week Arizona Diamondback Jacques Peterson. Yeah, I think I think both those guys have proven uh, high-level all-star DH as J.D. Martinez had another solid year with the Dodgers this past year. Uh, and Jock Pearson continued to have uh, a good year in uh, San Francisco. I think playing in Arizona, uh, a young, uh, uh, star-studded, uh, blossoming team uh, will help him. I know it's a big ballpark, but Peterson uh, doesn't hit any cheapies, as I like to say. Uh, he likes to hit a lot of no-doubters. Uh, I don't think it matters 
uh, that there's a little bit of extra territory to clear and uh, over there in Arizona. Um, yeah, I mean, he just loves staying in that in that West, doesn't he? Uh, started off in LA, went to San Francisco, now he's going to Arizona. Um, but I, I think him and JD Martinez are two proven hitters uh, and two guys that have to be in the top ten uh, until they prove that that they aren't uh, aren't uh, power hitting, uh, well rounded designated hitters. So uh, that's why I had both of them in my top ten. I'm giving this guy that I'm about to mention one more year because you guys have jumped off the bandwagon. And around two years ago, he was one of the brightest young stars in baseball, and that's Ila Jimenez. Anyone want to make an argument for why he should be there, why he shouldn't be there? I always, with him. <laughs> I always give one guy in, the, in every sport, like, injury bug, I'll give you another year. And last year, I gave it to Eloy and Buxton. And for like the third year in a row, they both burned me. So like this year, I'm like, I'm going to give it to Royce Lewis. I, I can't trust Eloy with his injuries anymore. And how about another guy that I fit into my top 10 that I think if you were to ask people right now, what was Wilmer Flores' OPS last year? A lot of people are not realizing it was 870. And a lot of people are not realizing that he had a 140 OPS plus. And a lot of people aren't realizing that that was over 130 games last year. So it wasn't a small sample size. I think it's just the fact that everyone remembers him as the guy that cried on the field and that uses the friends theme as his walk-up song and is atrocious defensively, that people want to put this image in their head that Wilmer Flores is a cute, not great baseball player. He, but, he doesn't look like a DH. He doesn't pass the eye test. <laughs> but unequivocally was the best San Francisco Giant hitter last year. And I know that's not saying that much. And James just logged off the Zoom call. So you must disagree with me that much. But I don't know. I found room for him at nine or 10 because, again, he can't play defense. I witnessed it for seven years with the Mets. But Wilmer Flores can rake. I mean, yeah, it's guys like Wilmer Flores, it's a tough question. Do you think that it's a, a like second wind where like he's or like even for him, like a, a late career surge where he's kind of hitting his stride now? Or do you think it's kind of a flash in the pan? I think that again, he was one small bright spot of the very dark Giants offense. So I think that as people understand that he's really the only guy you have to pitch to, I think with the Giants, it was more like we don't have to pitch to anyone. And I think that this year he's going to start being the only guy they pitch to and the guy that they have to worry about. And I think that, again, since there's not a lot of support, especially with Jock Peterson leaving, there's not a lot of support around him. I think we're going to see a bit of a progression. And then let's also discuss some of the players that Henry fit on his list that nobody else put on theirs. And let's begin. Let's actually kick this off as our yay or nay segment, Nico. And again, fans, next week is going to be a big one. Starting pitchers, a lot of places you could go with that one. Remember to send those in, siderretiredpod at gmail.com to have your starting pitcher ranking featured on this Friday's episode. Henry Kalani found a way to put Lourdes Gurriel Jr. on his list. I wanted to put him on. I thought he usually when I do these lists, there's always one guy that I think did a lot worse than what he did. And there's one guy that I think did a lot better. Gurriel falls in that second camp. Um, I think when there's a lot of guys that I expect, and I think in DH, it's 
very much like this, where you're thinking, who here is going to have over an 800 OPS? I think that's basically how I looked at it. Who do I think has the possibility of having it? And the fact that I thought that Guerrero had like around like an 828, 830, and I look at it and it was a 770, and we're talking about like he had a breakout year is kind of what we talked about. We were talking about him being like the third, fourth guy between behind Corbin Cattell and Christian Walker. When really it wasn't as much as we thought it was, I, I couldn't fit him in my top 10. How about Henry finding room for World Series champion Zeke, Ezekiel Duran, who's now basically positionless, so the Rangers are throwing him at DH this year. Yeah, I think what's going to help him a lot is Mitch Garver leaving. I think that that's actually going to open up just clearly him being there. The one thing that scares me is if they call up Wyatt Langford, how they move stuff around. I don't understand his viability at age because he already had the problem of with how the defense and how the offense already was, he couldn't find a spot because Mitch Garver was there. Thankfully, Mitch Garver left. But, I mean, we've all seen and we all love the hype around Wyatt Langford. If another guy that's going to be a great offensive piece gets brought up, that's already going to muddle his waters again. How about speaking of Mitch Garver, Harry Kilman found, found a spot for new Seattle Mariners, DH Mitch Garver at number eight. I like this. I actually like Mitch Garver at eight. He was very close to being my thing. My one thing with Mitch Garver is his level of consistency. I think that we've seen a lot that he's gone, had a great offensive year, regressed, had a good offensive year, regressed, have a good offensive year, regressed. And I just don't have the consistency out of him where it seems like whenever he, he makes an adjustment and goes and hits very well. And then as the pitchers adjust to him making that adjustment, he hasn't found the way to, in a short time frame, be able to make that adjustment. So until he's able to make that adjustment, I can't really expect him again when I have other breakout guys and other guys that I see consistency out of, it's hard for me to put him on this list when I don't have that level of consistency with him. It'll be interesting to see how they break down the catching position because it seems like Cal Raleigh does catch almost every single day. So is Garver strictly a DH or are they going to start to load manage Cal Raleigh and stick him at DH? Definitely something to keep an eye out for in 2024. How about another Harry Kilman hot take on this one? Ryan Mountcastle is a top five DH. Top five? Hate. I don't <laughs> think that he's anywhere near the top five. Um, Again, it's kind of like what we see a lot with these with these lists, how that 8, 9, 10 is very similar to that 10, 11, 12. I think that Ryan Mountcastle is a lot of we're expecting it, we're expecting it, it just hasn't come yet. We've seen it in very small sample sizes as like months. We've seen months where it's the guy that we're all expecting. And then we've seen months where he just can't find out how to get on base. I think that left field really hurt him. I think the fact that he can't really hit those left center pool side home runs that he used to hit when he was kind of the three hole on that team, I think has hurt him a lot. And again, the field's not changing. So I don't see, I think he's going to continue to see a big power weakness. I think he's going to, that decline is going to keep on going because he, again, is very hard. Now the Baltimore Orioles park turned from a pitcher friendly, a hitter friendly ballpark to a hitter, a pitcher friendly ballpark in a year. Shout out to Harry's definitely not a homer pick at number 10, Christian Encarnacion Strand. Matt Potter threw out a very fascinating list, to say the least. Starting with his number four was the Miami Marlins DH. But you can't even name who the Miami Marlins DH is. Well, it was Solaire. So wait, let me see. I'll give you a hint. This guy was actually signed this week. 
Okay, I don't have it. Trey Mancini, come on down. Come on, Mancini's a minor leaguer. Well, Trey Mancini was just signed by the was Miami even, Marlins. Yeah, on but no. <laughs> I was like, okay, I knew the they didn't I was like, they didn't sign anyone to their big league. Yeah, no, I, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't put a minor leaguer in my top four. John Carlos Stanton was in his five and sandwiched right after that, going from the physical specimen of John Carlos Stanton to the Physical specimen, to say the least. At number six, Danny Burgers. Daniel Vogelback made his way onto oh. the list. I mean, the, the big thing, and again, you, you can have this platoon option with with guys who are able to hit one side of the ball at an elite level and not do well against the other side of the ball. The big problem with Daniel Vogelback is he doesn't hit either side of the ball mm-hmm. well after last year. Um the big thing about him was he raked against righties. He does not rake against righties anymore. So again, what's the value in him? He is what average against righties and very below average against lefties. That does not seem like a number six DH to me. And then let's also shout out a couple of names that were submitted by our fans. Again, this was a pretty boring position. So apologies for not a lot of diversity on these lists. We've got a lot of shout out for 2023 all-star Brent Rooker. His numbers took a big dip in the second half of the season. So I think, Hopefully he finds a balance between the first half and the second half and maybe makes his way onto these top tens, but can't really see anything other than that in his future. How about a couple of vets? Charlie Blackman, Andrew McCutcheon, any interest there? No, I, I think they're both kind of past what we thought they could be, and it's kind of more just this is their swung song seasons. It's like McCutcheon, one last ride in pit, and Blackman going to, play till the wheels fall off in Colorado. Nothing on Josh Donaldson. An interesting one that I'd like to point out. Nelson Velasquez of the Royals. Hits the ball really hard. I could easily see him hitting 30 home runs. Continuing our Royals are going to win the AL Central bias. I think he's got a good season in him, but uh, I'm more confident in other Royals members, and I realize that if I fit Nelson Velasquez on my list, I'd have a Royal at almost every position. So, Which would mean that they're elite. Yeah. Went conservative and did not include him. Another guy that I think could break out because it seemed like he's going to get the everyday playing opportunity, much to every Mets fan's dismay. Mark Vientos is the everyday designated hitter for the New York Mets. Any thought process there? I want to believe that he's going to figure it out. Um, I saw him in high school and I thought that this guy was real deal. And I think I have a bit of bias because I'm like, okay, I saw you do it in high school, even though that's not even close to the big leagues. But I think he can figure it out. But again, it's one of those things where there's a there's so many guys where I can see the jump of improvement and it has to be very small. For him, me putting him in the top 10 means I have to see a massive improvement. And I can't put faith in that massive improvement happening. And a couple of names that our listeners mentioned, but we had already included these guys on Previous lists, so if you want to listen to our takes on those, go back to a couple of weeks ago. Brennan Drury is on our second baseman list. Teoscar Hernandez is actually in last week's right field. G.J. Stewart, shout out our boy, is actually in left field. Brendan Donovan's at second base, and then Edward Julian is also at second base. But to round things off, of course, as we usually do, introducing David Halpert's top 10 designated hitters. Number 10, Kerry Carpenter. Number 9, Brent Rooker. Number 8, Jorge Soler. Number six, Harold Ramirez, who I think is a Tampa Bay Ray right now. Mm-hmm. You know he's moving around for a bit. 
six, Lourdes Guriel. At number five, it's Marcelo Zuna. Here's where we get a little hot. At number four is Jordan Alvarez, because at number three, he's got the breakout of Mitch, Han of Mitch Garver in Seattle. Number two is Kyle Schwarber, and he does agree at the top. It's Otani. Hot take there from David is that Jordan Alvarez is not the best team yeah. in the AL West, and it's Mitch Garver, which I'm yeah, that I, I would really love to buy this take, but there's not a single yeah. ounce in my body. That there's there's some guys team. in the league where you just can't see the world where they have a bad offensive year. And I think it's very few guys. One of those guys is Jordan. I don't okay. see a world where we're like, wow, Jordan has a sub-820 OPS. That's just not happening. Like, the guy's going to have his down year this year. is going to be like, oh, my gosh, he hit 850. Is he on the decline? Like, mm -hmm. that, the fact that that's the world that we're thinking of Jordan means that he's number two easily. Yeah. And, of course, we'll be back throughout the week, another five episodes in five days. We've got a lot of cool guests coming by the podcast, including Dodgers bullpen catcher, if you remember. Had him on a couple of months ago. Steven Shilati is now retired and came back on to talk about the retired lifestyle. We're going to have a player from my boys, the Georgetown baseball team, joining us on Wednesday's episode. And Thursday, it looks like we'll also have a repeat guest, Blast from the Past, Gabe Klobosic, will be stopping by. So a lot of time during this offseason, we're now going to be catching up with some old friends that we spoke with during the regular season. And we look forward to having a couple more of those before spring training. And then rounding the week off, starting pitchers list and might have a special guest joining us on that episode too. So we'll see what happens there. But for Dylan, Nico, James, and Henry, until the next time, the side is retired.